everyone, and welcome back to Season 3 of the Fan Fiction Tapes, where you're... Ah, oh, fuck, I left that in from last time. <laughs> I'm your host today, Maya, pronouns she, her, and today I am joined by... Dylan, the he, him guy, yeah. I'm Jay, pronouns she, they. And I'm our producer, Ian, pronouns he, him. Today's episode topic is the MTG Color Wheel. And for... Probably 90% of our audience, you have no idea what in the hell I just said. Yeah. And for many of the rest of us, you may be wondering, why is that relevant on a podcast that is ostensibly about fan fiction? Yeah, that's what they brought me here for. (laughs) Well, so for those of you who don't know, MTG is shorthand for Magic the Gathering. A Is it a trading card game? It's a trading card game and also a collectible card game. Um, for the purposes of this episode, we're going to focus on the trading card and lore part. Um, it's a card game yeah. with more than 52 cards in it. Way more. <laughs> Way more. Can I say a trap card? There are actually trap cards. Yeah, it's a subtype of the instant, instant card. Um, uh, but sometimes you don't... subtype of the instant. Sometimes you do have like artifacts that have trap in the name. It's oh, really that's different. right. I mean, that's use right. polymerization. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, weak. <laughs> you can set cards face down, though. You can in defense mode. <laughs> Morph. <laughs> and also manifest. So tell me, tell me, uh, tell me about this wheel of colors. <laughs> so, I think actually I'm going to tell you about something else first to convince you as to why this matters. Now, something not many people actually necessarily know is that Magic: The Gathering is made by Wizards of the Coast, the same company that makes Dungeons and Dragons. Now, that's a name I'm certain most of you have heard of, if not for the fact that we've mentioned it. A lot on this show. Seems like every other episode, at least. <laughs> it's very deserved, though. <laughs> and Dungeons and Dragons has had for a long time an alignment system that is derided by the community. This is the three by three square with lawful, neutral, chaotic on left to right, and good, neutral, evil on the up to down. And it's supposed to be. Kind of a simplification of, like, what types of things your character would do. Yeah. A lot of people bemoan the system because it's like, okay, it's there's, only nine, shit. there's only nine type of characters that ever exist. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably, you could, the only, like, true differences in terms of the alignment are, like, the polar opposites. Like, otherwise, you can almost justify chaotic good character as chaotic neutral or something along those lines it's it's really the lines are blurry is what i'm trying to say yeah it's it's very blurry it's um not very useful it uses really strange words like good what does good mean does that mean they do good things or does that mean they view themselves as good yeah because if it's they view themselves as good well then like that's fucking 80% of the population right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen some interpretations, and this is my personal favorite way of dealing with that alignment system, is that good is just a stand-in for selfless, and evil is a stand-in for selfish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or generally, the more evil a character is, the more likely they are to take explicitly selfish actions. Whereas the more good aligned a character is, the more likely they are to take uh, selfless actions, even at cost to themselves. But this is still, you know, kind of dog shit. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've seen people, like, stretch out into a 5x5, five five, which is a little better. Because you do get a little bit more nuance. But again, it's you, it's basically being used to box characters in and group characters together and say, oh, this character is sort of like this character. And we can say, you know, they're both these. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess a, a five by five is slightly better because you don't, you know, they are levels to things, levels to evil, levels to, you know, quote unquote good. The, the problem with boxes... Um, is that you can have an infinite amount of boxes and you still can't fit all the people in the boxes. Yeah. Yep. I've had this rant a couple times before. Yeah, but people like to try and put things in boxes and group stuff together. Yep, it's a... The eternal struggle. symptom of the human condition. Yeah, monkey brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, that exact box problem is why I have a job. So. <laughs> now that I've kind of given you a bit of a brief history on why this is neat. What What is the MTG color wheel? Well, Magic the Gathering has five core colors. Yes, I had to sit there and count. Uh, don't at me. I'm bad at math. Um, white, green, red, black, and blue. Yeah. Um, for, those, for those few of you who are out there and Taking their head at the order that she just said them in. Um, white, blue, black, red, and green. R- Wooberg. Eric, yes. Y'all are satisfied. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, okay. I did things at counterclockwise order because... Uh, <laughs> oh, believe me, not everyone understands that. The specific way the symbols are laid on the cards. And not to mention, like, Magic changed that from the initial, like, what, the initial printings anyway. So it's just, you know, it's just... I'm satisfying the OCD nerds out there because those are going to be the only ones listening to this. Understandable. (laughs) Um, I haven't played Magic in a long time. I think I was probably in high school last time I played. Mm. Uh, And before that, I hadn't played since like sixth grade. Yeah, it'd be like that. Average life cycle of the Magic player is actually about 18 weeks, sorry, 18 weeks, 18 months. So about a year and a half and then they cycle out again. Yeah, no, the only reason I played again, because my friends saw a... So, I didn't really, like, approach Magic with a conscious intent, so I just took all of the red and blue cards in my collection and put them into one deck. Of course you did. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's on brand. My friends committed a little violence at me for that one. <laughs> is it is very on brand for you. It is. It is. <laughs> We got a little distracted. Uh, oops. Um, each each color is associated with uh, certain values and beliefs, which also translates into the certain mechanics that they are associated with within the gameplay. That was actually me trying to prod one of you two magic nerds who knows a little bit more than me into oh, elaborate. Okay, um, so excellent, who wants excellent. to go first? Hi. So, okay, so uh, 
the fact that each of the colors has its own uh, system of beliefs and values means that there's no universal uh, this is good and this is evil. Mm-hmm. There m- tends to be some perception of that as being white and black on account of a lot of people do subscribe to the interpretation of the D&D alignment, good meaning selfless and evil meaning selfish, and those happen to be uh, aligned with the values of white and black in the MTG color wheel, white being a color of selflessness and um, putting the group before the individual, whereas black is the color of uh, individual power. Yep. And of course, again, it's not that black and white. That's where we get the plane of Ravnica from, after all. And all of the double color combinations, like Orsov is one considered one of the more evil guilds, despite being white and black. So, Ravnica, my beloved. Ravnica, my beloved. The new set's coming out it, um, here in a few days, and yes, my pre-order is in. <laughs> Ooh. Ravnica remastered. Anyway. So again, it's not that black and white, but that is kind of where it, but that is kind of like the basis. And then, of course, there are like some variations in between. Um, and the other three colors are not nearly as straightforward because green is kind of like your nature conscious people, but that could go anywhere from like a poison ivy kind of attitude to like actually wanting to preserve the environment, help the environment preserve wildlife and that sort of thing. I could. Um, I almost went out on a tangent about eye blades, but we'd be here all day. There's red, which are kind of like the chaotic ones of the group. Um, they are um, red. Does tend to red and blue do tend to go together a lot in terms of like the personalities that kind of flow into them because you've got your pyromages, but you've also got your scientists and the people who are like. And your creativity, um, all stemming from red. Um, they are, it is your burn color. You like fire. If you play red, you like fire. You like to burn people. And again, that can be <laughs> good or bad because you have, you know, dragons, which dragons have personalities in this world. So you have your good dragons. You have your bad dragons. You've got people trying to control the dragons. You've got um people just trying to make a difference in the world and like i apologize for my dog uh, and people who are like you know just trying to make the world a better place the plate of kaladesh is actually really good at showcasing the better sides of red um there's also chandra who is a good planeswalker who is the primary planeswalker that everyone thinks about when they think about red who is also pansexual by the way <laughs> canonically I think she and Nissa are finally together. Um, Neat and cool detail. <laughs> and then moving on to blue. Again, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray area with blue because you have everywhere from the people who are stealing identities, stealing thoughts, um, preventing other people from like doing things that wouldn't benefit them. But then you also have the other side uh, yes, I'm mostly describing the Demir here. And then you've got the other side who are like the hmm. ones who are like trying to like who prevent like other people from like negatively affecting 
um, and people from like negative, negatively affecting the world, like the Azorius, though the Azorius are kind of corrupt too, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. And again, people who are inventors, um, mathematicians, people who are just trying to make the world a better place. And for the most part, blue is kind of like considered the wizard color almost because, uh, I mean, any wizard tribal that you have is probably going to be either, is it red and blue or mono blue? Also, it's like, you know, knowledge and nerdery and shit. And that's the wizard yeah. thing. That, that's the whole yep. wizard shtick. Exactly. Knowledge and nerdery. Card draw is like the primary mechanic for blue, which means... Mm-hmm. And your decks are called libraries in Magic, so you are basically pulling more information out of your library to use more spells. And mechani- as mechanically speaking, in a card game, that is a very powerful thing. Blue is widely considered the most powerful color in Magic for a good reason. Yeah. It was funny, before uh, we started, I did ask about one of the D&D characters uh, is in a game that me and Maya played, and I'm like, okay, we're... Where do they fit? And uh, what was it? Black blue. <laughs> Black blue. <laughs> yeah. Which which character was it? Uh, he it was a bard, and also a drow, and mm. <laughs> drow, was, bard, college of whispers. Yes, that yeah. that is kind of important information. It, then yeah, professional uh, black, black blue. I'd almost call them sultai, which is black blue green. Um, but yes. Uh, yeah, black. I mean, that, that kind of fits. Um, he did a little bit of animal shenaniganery. Yeah, he pulls he pulls a little bit from from the green part of his toolbox, but like in terms of the character's personality and motivations, very solidly blue black. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Ooh, I feel like we should wait till I, to get to the explanation of Ravnica and all the alignments there because we've got an entire plane dedicated to this shit yeah. um, until the dedicated the... MPG alignment slot. <laughs> Time slot. <laughs> so you've got white that cares about order and uh, the community. You've got blue that mm-hmm. cares most about knowledge. You've got black that cares about the individual power you've got red that cares about freedom and emotions yeah uh and you've got green that cares about nature and Mm -hmm. the way that these are typically arranged with the in in the wheel with white blue black red green in a circle like that you've got then pairs of colors that are considered allies because Mm -hmm. their philosophies overlap at the edges and you've got Pairs of colors that are across the wheel from each other are typically considered enemies because their aspects of their philosophies are intention, mm-hmm. right? So for white, we've already mentioned black. That is the most obvious tension. The but white is also intention with red because red is the other individualistic color. Yep, and that can cause some crazy shenaniganery when you put them together as showcase. Yeah, Ravnica. Yeah. <laughs> We've we've mentioned Ravnica several times now. The setting of Ravnica is a magic setting that is themed around factions that are two colors. And there's mm-hmm. ten of them. Yep. And then, of course, you've also got the factionless ones as well, just because yeah. it has to be a gray area. Yeah. 
Ravnica is actually a playable plane in D&D uh, these days. So if any of y'all D&D nerds want to look up the guidebook, it's a good read. It's a really good read. Uh-huh. I have I have the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. I am planning to run a little a short adventure for the uh, the Zenaid group while we are waiting for Dylan to put together Zenaid campaign number two. Uh-huh. Nice. I um it was actually the first physical um D and D book that I ever purchased. All the others I purchased online on D and D Beyond. Um and I also had the map for it. It's it's my favorite plane. It was also the first thing that came out that combined both D and D and magic. Getting off track again. It's funny. That was also one of the first um physical D and D books I bought. I bought three of them at the same time. I bought uh, the DM guide, the monster manual. And Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. And I think I bought them somewhere near, like, Trinity College in San Antonio. It was holiday, I had money to spend, and he who D&D book. They were expensive. Oh, yeah. It's funny, because I didn't, I didn't realize quite that it was a Magic the Gathering setting for a while. I just thought it looked cool. Yeah, if you want to g- learn more in depth about like the guilds and Ravnica than what we cover and like what the whole thing about each respective guild is, please go check out that guide. It's very in depth for a you know D and D setting. We were going somewhere before we got distracted. Does anyone have any idea? I'm I'm looking at this this chart that Jay just posted in the, in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was actually going to mention the. Uh, uh, the op the enemy color pairs because I particularly like how those handle the tension between the two um, opposing philosophies. Right? Yeah. So maybe we should list uh, enemy and ally color pairs for the folks that are listening to this who maybe don't have time to go and pull up a graphic. Mm-hmm. Right. So the allied color pairs are going to be white and blue. Are going to be white and green, um, also known as Celestia. Um, green and red, also known as the Gruel. Red and black, also known as Rakdos. Black and blue, also known as Demir. And blue and white, which is known as Azorius. I do find it interesting to note that blue is uh, is allied with both white and black, which is kind of why it's mm-hmm. the most neutral gray area of the primary colors i feel but i digress do you want to go on about the enemies yeah uh so the enemy color pairs are blue and green uh also known as simic white and black also known as orzov blue and red also known as izet uh green and black also known no that's golgari golgari thank you yeah, I, draw, I was drawing a blank on the name. It began with a G, and we'd already said girl. Anyways, and the last one, uh, red and white, which is known as Boros. So with the enemy color pairs, I noted earlier that there's a tension between them, and that's how they resolve them. So with, for example, Simic, you have this—the core conflict of it is nature versus nurture— because green is the color of nature, and then blue is the color of 
knowledge and using your knowledge to change the world around you and control the world around you. And the way that gets resolved in the Ravnica setting with the Simic faction is that they are biomancers. They learn how the natural world works, and they use that knowledge to help guide and improve it. Another interesting blue enemy faction is the Azet. Hi, Maya. Hello. This is... This is the faction of mad scientists and engineers. Yep. <laughs> it's if Entrapta were a color pair. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's the the systematic knowledge and research of blue combined with the spontaneity of red results in explosive insights. Sometimes literally. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oops. Do not heat a pressure vessel, folks. Note, aluminum bats count as pressure vessels because they are, in fact, hollow. Mm-hmm. And another one. Um, the Orzov is also pretty interesting to me because it resolves the tension between the groupthink of white and the selfishness of black by redefining self to include a small group mm-hmm. um so it's more of a, a mafia type deal yeah they're kind of like the wealthy rich they're like they're the one percent of Ravnica. that's what they are and the church at the same time somehow but of course because you know the churches and the banks should totally be merged concern <laughs> yes <laughs> So, this is all a lot of nerdery, and, uh... Oh, yes, we have spent, like, almost half of the runtime so far, uh, just nerding out over magic. Yeah. I apologize, this has been seven years of my life. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who maybe weren't already familiar with, uh, Magic the Gathering and are still here, why should you care as a writer or a fan fiction author or just general fan of things? Well, the whole reason uh, this was brought up was a. I saw a Tumblr post. The whole reason this episode came to be was I think Ian sent me this about um, a Tumblr user got annoyed with the way that paladins were commonly interpreted, which is something similar to magic cop i think actually i made a complaint of something like that and then ian was like hey look at this this is shiny exploring paladins through the uh two color system and this i thought the post was neat i'll try and make sure we get a link in the episode description uh for folks who want to check it out assuming we can find it i've already found it excellent (laughs) Tumblr is one of the websites of all time. Yes, I may have scrolled through their Tumblr page until I found it, but um, it is basically about, yeah, you can use this uh, system to explore character values. We've kind of mentioned a couple of characters uh, in Traptor, for example, who exhibit this really well. You can take uh, either solitary colors or mixes of the colors and 
there you go. You have a couple of character traits you can play with, particular conflicts as well that will kneecap in that player and give them conflicting feelings, mm-hmm. right? A red-blue character, for example, wouldn't necessarily have much internal conflict interacting with someone who is, say, a combination of one of those in black, but interacting with someone who was had green or white in their build, in terms of, like, their personality build, I guess, there would be more conflict, as that is an ally for one color, like green's an ally for red, but it's an enemy for blue. You get kind of some funny levers to pull right off the bat with the character, and for folks who hate character creation, like myself, I do not like making characters. I find it makes it easier. Definitely a great place to start. And um, speaking on going back to my blue thesis, I, I it's my main color. Just leap, let 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 me be. Um, <laughs> going back to my blue thesis, the fact that blue is allied both with white and with black also presents an opportunity for internal conflict because how far are you willing to go in pursuit of knowledge? So it doesn't even you don't even have to like particularly pick a color pair to base your character around if you want to pick like a base level base theme or base color to base your character around you can still have conflict um within that character based on the the way that they interact with other character archetypes or colors so i've approached that from more of an internal conflict standpoint than an external conflict standpoint but white and black are enemy colors and blue is allied with both of them yeah, that is a. I think that is a thing that uh, Trog points out in one of his uh, musings on using uh, the color wheel as a personality guide for characters. Is that with allied color pairs, a lot of the conflict is external, on account of each of the colors having friends that the other color doesn't like, whereas with the enemy color pairs, the conflict is an internal tension. Um, and I think he also points out that their common ally tends to be a blind spot. So as someone who's like really not that involved in this space, in this area, what is the pros and or cons of using this over you know, an expanded alignment chart. I'd say that personally, the the biggest pro here is that there is no assumed objective morality. It's more, you know, take these things as you see them and then determine if that makes your character good or bad. There, yeah, there's a lot more nuance in taking personality traits versus um, having to conceptualize your own, like what constitutes as lawful or chaotic or good or bad, in my opinion. Um, I've actually been kind of using this method to formulate my characters for ages, and then I will stick a, a D&D alignment label on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, because as someone who's been doing this for like seven years, um, it's easier for me to conceptualize. And also I don't like 
black and white anything. I don't like having to worry about, hey, is this too chaotic to be lawful anymore or be neutral anymore? Um, it's a lot nicer to just have that nuance built in. If this that is why sense. I usually just play chaotic characters. <laughs> I also mostly play, end up playing chaotic characters like as much as um, as much as blue is my favorite color in magic and most of my co character concepts are formulated on that. There is a great deal of chaos to be had with that color. <laughs> hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I will, will say that I did struggle during our game Maya with the aforementioned character because I didn't feel like he fit any of the four alignments I thought I could fit him into, which was uh, neutral, uh, chaotic neutral, evil neutral, and chaotic evil. Like, I don't think he squarely fit into any of those. No, no. And I also think that the alignment chart is kind of limiting in that regard, um, unless you're playing with, like, a decent DM who's not, like, hard on this is what the alignment has to be. And because it doesn't allow for a whole lot of nuance, especially if you're playing with the kind of person who's like, yeah, this is what lawful means, this is what chaotic means. It doesn't really let you um, have room for variation. Yeah, I mean, I think just in general with alignment systems, you kind of can't take it as prescriptive. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though we're saying, hey, yeah, you should use this, you can use this as kind of, you know, hey, this is some quick and dirty personality traits for your character. Um, they don't always have to act consistently. People do not act consistently. Uh, oh, no. Pro tip, people are inconsistent as fuck. And that's another thing I like about the color pairs in Ravnica is because there's every guild has an inconsistency. You can have a Demir spy, for example, in any of the other guilds, and you would never know. Like, it's po pointed out in the aforementioned reference book that I keep referencing a lot. Well, I mean, even just like in the real world, people can say and hold certain beliefs and then say and do and hold other beliefs that directly counteract, counteract, contradict that. That's contradict. deadly fascinating. Yes, <laughs> yeah. contradict. It's deadly fascinating how that works, and sometimes that means that you are interacting with someone, and you're having a conversation with them, and they will contradict themselves in the very next sec sentence, and you're like, huh? How do you... what? <laughs> but that's people, that's humanity. Yeah, I mean, not not to get too political about it, but uh, oh fucking renewable energy. Sorry, oh, folks, I'm an engineer, I get to bitch. Um, <laughs> I thought you were oh, yeah, going no, somewhere bitch else, away. So. Oh, I, I, I almost did. Um, <laughs> but people will often be huge fans of solar and wind, and sometimes biofuel. If you like biofuel, um, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. Uh, and then they're going to hate on nuclear, despite the fact that nuclear is far and away safer and cleaner. Mm -hmm. Wow, well, no, no, no! Shout out to the hydro and geothermal bros. <laughs> I, look, if if you stand either one, you understand why it's not a practical solution. <laughs> I come from Wales. We we have big hydro energy. Yeah, okay, but can you do that in uh fucking Kansas? 
No. No, because Kansas sucks. Wales doesn't. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Kansas is the worst Kansas on the list of Kansai, with number one being the band, number two being Arkansas, and number three being Kansas. <laughs> okay, the only reason I put Arkansas at two is because I lived there for a while, but... I, how does... I still think Arkansas shouldn't count to the Kansas, but... We got... Really far off track. Goddamn. I mean, you saw talking about renewable energy. <laughs> yes, I did not help. And you were saying, oh, basically, oh, I like these things, but I don't like this thing, even though it's proven that it is as good, if not better, than these things I already support. The problem with geothermal is it's too localized. You cannot. It's not a good wide solution. That's kind of also part of the problem with hydroelectric i can i need to shut up because i will go <laughs> on for a while about renewable energies um put it in the special interest channel <laughs> <laughs> you were pointing out this as an example of of how people in real life will seemingly contradict themselves yes yes that's where this started that's that's where we were going that that was the point. Yeah, all the examples I can come up with are political, so... Yeah, uh, the, the other one that came to mind was Trump supporters, and <laughs> uh, their claimed Christianity, mm -hmm. and then championing of Trump, who, like, violates all of what their beliefs Belief that they profess says. to hold uh, actually says. Fun fact, I learned recently that... Um, Americanism is considered an official heresy by the Catholic Church. I also learned that recently. I, I it was mean, fucking hilarious. That's what I was going to talk about. Is like American Christianity is already like not Christianity, and then Trump, who's not mm -mm. really a Christian, doesn't even conform to American Christianity. <laughs> so it, it's no. like it's like a dog on a dog. It's two dogs. Trump mm -hmm. is two dogs. Personal. <laughs> Speaking as someone who is Jewish, um, the amount in which they they profess to believe the Old Testament, and I don't even think they've read it. Um, it's interesting watching all these people going around trying to preach that, hey, this is what's said in the Old Testament. I'm like, if you you're and I'm like, if you actually read the passage or even better. Christians who say, oh, we can't understand the Old Testament. It's like this language has been lost to time. We read Hebrew. Um, we can read it. It's not a dead language. Thank you very much. We know what it says. It doesn't say what you're saying it says. If you want to cut that out because of the nature of the world, feel free to go ahead. But I thought it was a relevant point to make. Um, free Palestine. Uh, as, a, as an atheist... Uh... I'm upset how much I've read the Old Testament. Probably compared to American Christians. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I have probably read more of it than most American Christians. Uh, and that's when I fell asleep on, like, page two of Genesis. Oh. I didn't sleep enough in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... Can I, can I just, like, I don't know, throw some characters at the MTG news and see where you put them? Oh, Ooh. certainly. Okay, Maya, uh, you'll also do this? 
So find some Good. characters while I find some characters. Find some characters. Oh boy, a dibs on Entrapta. I am. We've already covered Entrapta. We already covered Entrapta. She is. Is it personified? She <laughs> is. Um, to to go further in depth here, she is. Um, the pursuit of knowledge. Um, there's a reason red and blue are both allied with black and technically the more selfish color. It's not that she's selfish. It's that she's disregards other people in the pursuit of knowledge, at least in the first part of the show. And she continues to disregard until she, uh, you know, grows in the character and, you know, learns how her actions affect other people and the world around her. Um, but is it is very much pursuit of knowledge above all else with minimal um, thought for the repercussions on the world, which can both be good and bad, depending on whether you're taking it via um, a destructive standpoint or a inventive creative standpoint. I would I would also like to point out um, with regard to Izette and the common ally often being a blind spot here, since black is the color of self-interest, a common flaw of Izette characters is a disregard for personal safety and well-being. That too. <laughs> <Oops>. That too. <laughs> That's a big one. So we're all Ruby fans here. Uh, anyone want to tell me about uh, Mr. James Ironwood? Oh. Uh, he so, is definitely white something. I would say oh, white yeah. blue I'd almost. Actually, yeah, actually he would he would fit pretty well with the Azorius, but I think he would also fit well with the Orzhov. I'd say he's more of an Esper character, which is white, blue, black, um, because of his arc. Like, he starts out Azorius. He has good intentions. He's also just very <clears throat> preventative in those good intentions. And very narrow-minded and single-focused, and wanting to, and it and in the end, he only wants to preserve a small group of people at the cost of all others. Hence, the Orzhov. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that one is I, just like I would argue actually that he starts as a mono-white character, mm -hmm. and eventually becomes Orzhov. His, I, I agree that his endpoint is Orzhov. Possibly the only bit of his personality that is blue at all is his heavy reliance on technology. That's plausible, and I agree. I'm still thinking of Azorius in the... They are the lawful good, uh, lawful good with heavy air quotes here, um, of Ravnica. They are very about their laws and their code and well and he's also everything. big on information control and there's that too which that's that's is, a again, very blue Azorius. thing yeah which which again falls into azorius yeah the the thing about azorius is that the the lawful part of it really comes from the white side of mm -hmm. that pairing. it does so it does but in terms of their role in the plan of Ravnica, it does align with yeah. Ironwoods. So that's where my why my brain went there. I'm not saying you're wrong. You are totally right. It's just yeah, that's where why my brain led to that. Yeah, yeah. I normally ca uh, classify him as a uh, lawful prick. Lawful prick <laughs> is a good one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he normally lands. You know. 
That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. I think uh, by the end of the show, just fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ironwood stands. I hate to do it to you, but I that is the my. end of his character arc. <laughs> I, it is. Yeah. That that is often something that is cited in um, color wheel analysis as the evil extreme of mono white. It is. And it's actually represented by a variety of characters within the and within Magic the Gathering's actual lore. Uh, yeah, but usually, uh, Ironwood is like alongside Chaotic Incel, which is Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You're not uh, wrong. I'd um, actually argue that Adam, Adam is Rakdos. Very appropriate considering his his color scheme, but absolutely yes. He is red and black. Very much so. He's very destructive. He's very selfish. He's very selfish in his destruction. And he's very much after power. But he is also very much controlled by his emotions rather than in control of his control emotions. Control of his emotions. Yep. Which is a very Rakdos thing. A very red thing, honestly. Yeah. That's, that's the red side. His passion is what allows him to be initially a charismatic leader in the White Fang, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of a... I'm not sure exactly what other colors, but I think red is definitely in there because there's a lot of anger in that movement, a lot of passion in that movement. Mardu. I'm going to argue they're basically red, a Mardu clan. Red, white, black? Yeah. Okay. The white is definitely there. I think it might depend yeah. on the individual and where you fall on where where an individual member falls on the Belladonna versus Sienna versus spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I will say, like when the Belladonnas had control of it, I'd almost argue that it was more of a Naya type of organization, and then it kind of shifted to Mardu under Sienna's power. Anaya is uh, white, green, red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I usually talk about this kind of thing with my partner who also plays Magic the Gathering, and we met in the Ruby fandom. So <laughs> <laughs> keep forgetting mm-hmm. that I have to specify the color sets. So yeah, Adam, red, black, and not just his color mm-hmm. in terms of his colors. Mm-hmm. In terms of his um, visual design. I should say mm-hmm. <laughs> visual design and character design. It's really fascinating how well that ended up working out. And that's another yeah. thing about Sienna's character design. She really does feel very Mardu to me. Um, red again, red, white, black, and the Mardu clans in the, on the plane of Tarkir are very much, um, the strongest, um, are the ones who are the leaders, you know? Very um, gung-ho about everything. (laughs) So, and she does have a little bit of white in her character design alongside the red and black. I just think it's really fascinating. All right, Dylan, Maya, you got any others for us? Yeah, I got some. Uh, I'm coming specifically for your cheese, Ian. Um, Oh, boy. Karen Murphy is green-white. Harry Dresden is red-blue. Ah. You're absolutely right about Harry Dresden. Karen Murphy is green-white? I don't know about that. I I don't see her quite as red. She's definitely not black. And 
blue doesn't quite feel right. No, she's not. She's not blue. The you're you're right on the white part. Um, I mean, she's a cop. She yes. <laughs> but like, actually, a good person. Yes. Okay. Maybe. What what else would you see for her? The thing is, I think she could be red white. I don't know who you guys are talking about, so I don't have input. We're talking. We're talking about characters from the Dresden from the Dresden Files. Files. I know my roommate yeah. would actually be able to input on this if he were here, which he is not. Um, he's a big fan of the Dresden Files and magic. So Karen Murphy is a cop, as has been mentioned. She mm-hmm. comes from basically a family of cops. She is uh Irish immigrant family, so. Yeah. She is, at the beginning of the series, the head of Chicago's um, special cases department, which is basically where they stick the troublemakers. It's It's the department that's officially for dealing with weird shit, and on account of, you know, the settings whole masquerade deal where magic is real but officially most people don't know about it so whenever you know stuff from the weird side ends up impacting normal people the normal institutions don't want to acknowledge that and so they shunt it off to special investigations i think is is the official name of it si is what they're called but Politically, that's considered a a bit of a dead end. That's what you do if you piss people off by going, hey, cops are supposed to protect people, not beat up black people. Oh, Jim Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think I think if Jim Gordon were in the Dresden Files, he would end up in SI very quickly. Fair. In that he is a good cop. It is implied pretty heavily throughout the series that a lot of the cops outside of SI are kind of shit human beings. Mm-hmm. This is particularly exemplified with, um, what's his name? Rudy? Rudolph. That fucker. <laughs> the vitriol <laughs> in that statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. May he burn in hell forever. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep He does my... very bad things. Especially in the most recent books. Noted. Beat with stick until morale improves. We hate him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that... Thank you, Smeagol. (laughs) (laughs) So back to Karen Murphy. I I put her with Red on account of... She's passionate about doing the right thing, being a good cop. She's passionate about doing the right thing. She's passionate about helping people. And she channels that passion into being a good cop. Or tries to. And that's yeah, a very Boros thing. Yeah, I Boros for that. Yeah. Like, she almost... From the way you're describing her, she almost reminds me of Aurelia, who is the leader of Boros. <laughs> As of the present. So... I think um, probably the closest you're going to get to a parallel from Ruby would be Winter. That makes sense. Um, Am I wrong, Ian? I mean, the main difference between Winter and Karen Murphy, I think, is 
Winter has a more aloof personality. That's an understatement. I she, She's pretty aloof in the first couple books. Mostly because she doesn't exactly know what's going on in this Harry character's head, and uh, that explains quite a few things right there. Okay, I can I can see the parallels. Yeah, God, I could write an essay on Winter Shnee. Um <laughs> I think Karen Murphy might actually be Naya, white, green, and red, whereas Winter is probably. I'd say Jess oh, guy. What's that wedge? Yeah, Jess guy. Mm-hmm. White, red, and blue. Blue. Yeah. Actually, as you were describing Karen Murphy, Naya did pop into my brain, but I didn't feel like enough of authority to speak that thought. <laughs> so, and can I just question for my own reasons? Where does Naya, the D character I described, who what are characters like him? Shadow Weaver. God. <laughs> Shadow Weaver is um, either Demir or Grixis, hands down. Um, I'd argue Demir, but Grixis does have that level of ex- explosiveness that Demir does not. Um, showcasing um, her explosive temper. Why did that? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to make a joke about her death. Um... Oh, oh, definitely her death, too. But... Uh... <laughs> I think Grixis for sure. Yeah, she's co- she's definitely controlling enough. I'm just trying to recall um, the her her um, her character's backstory, right? Yeah, was that she believed that she could pull off a certain spell, mm-hmm. which is a very red blue sort of thing, and then that yeah. resulted in. With no safety for herself or for Micah. No regard for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's very red-blue. And then I think the results of that... But I think the the motivation for that, though, was still fairly black, because power mm-hmm. was the motivation. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So very Grixis. Yeah. Any others? I mean, I just... I can't think of very many characters like Nye. He is... <laughs> he got issues that not many people have. Uh. Oh fuck! I can think of one, um, but it's spoilers. Uh, there's a character in um, Project Hail Mary that I think aligns with Nye's alignment. I still haven't read that. I am so. going to is. beat you with a stick, uh, <laughs> both of you. Actually, have you heard of The Martian, Jay? Yes. Have you read The Martian? No. It's one of my greatest failings. I don't have yes. it. I, I have both of those books <laughs> right sitting right behind me right now. I have two copies of The Martian behind me, and actually a copy of Project Hail Mary. Believe me, I know it is a failing of mine, but I haven't had the attention span to sit down and read in months, so... That is fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. A uh, couple of my friends who have appeared on the podcast have been uh, holding me upside down, shaking me, trying to get me to read... Um, the memory called Empire. I should probably just put these books in my bag so that I can just start reading them on my lunch breaks. <laughs> I find it hilarious that people bully these guys with like, oh, come on, read this book. It'll only take you, you know, 
two days, maybe a week. And I'm like, hey, give me 20 minutes for a wrestling match. <laughs> no. I mean... <laughs> Pain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, it'll only take you however long. It's like, you don't understand. I have to get my brain into the exact reading headspace for me to want to consume this specific piece of media. Yeah, the problem is for me is that once I'm there, it does only take me like an hour or two. Exactly. I just need to get my brain there, which is a process that can take years. I'm only ju- uh, I'm only on episode four of Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant right now, for example. It took me years to start watching it. <laughs> I mean, I figured out a trick for watching shows, and it's uh, manhandle someone else into watching them with me. See, that's we, we, my thing we both too. have the mo- motivation because we have the obligation to the other. Exactly. And the thing is, there are only so many people I can strong arm into these things. Uh, see, I have Steamed, who I can convince to do, um, honestly, most things. I convinced him to show up on the podcast for the first time. It's just <laughs> like, hey, you want to do something? Mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason I watched Ruby is because JJ sat me down in December of 2022 and said, we're watching this. And I said, okay. <laughs> on the subject of Demir characters, um... There's actually a couple I can think of from the Magnus archives. Quiet chirping as no one in the call has listened to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can think of like several people for whom this would be a relevant um, fandom, but they are not here. (laughs) Oh, wait, shoot. I got one from the Cosmere. Oh? You know who I'm talking about, Ian. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Do I? Yes, you do. Think for 30 seconds on who in the Cosmere might be blue-black. I mean, the number one name that comes to mind is Hoyd. Oh, Hoyd is blue-black. Interesting. I would have figured Hoyd is being something red because he just shitposts constantly. Hoyd is probably actually Grixis because he does shitpost constantly. Yes, except I'm not entirely sure how much red he has, because that sort of verbal jousting might be a red characteristic, but it might also be a black characteristic. Uh, I was thinking... Black characteristic. Taravangian. Oh, yes. Of course. Yeah, sorry, Dylan, like, uh, everyone that I can think of that's blue-black is... Not exactly a good person. I mean, was not. Well, I mean, (laughs) Mm, you see, I want to say no for the bit, but he did in the end do good things. He saved the world. Okay, but to be fair, didn't Shadow Weaver also in the end do good things? I know. In the end, I saved the world, killed two vampire (laughs) lords and, uh, you know, healed the entire continent. So. Yeah, not on his own, he didn't. I mean, the last two he did. <laughs> <laughs> he killed two vampires and healed the continent on his own. He didn't need you. You sitting in your forest looking magical ass. I had other shit to do. Sitting in a forest. talking to my a, home from burning down. Talking to a deer. Having lunch with a ficus. Don't you talk to me about who getting shit done. <laughs> Ash is something very green. Is what I, I really can't think of any one that I consider Demir that would be a good, particularly good person either, actually. Grand, my association with Demir is the guild of spies and assassins and information brokers, but... 
It's not a set of philosophies that lend themselves very well to being heroic, mm. uh, considering that it is the overlap between uh, knowledge is power and power should be used for uh, personal advancement. Yeah, those those don't tend to mix well into being a good human being. Mm-mm. I think they do sometimes. They do sometimes. 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 Um, but then again, Xanathar is canonically Demir, so <laughs> do with that as you will. I've thought of another one that might actually be a heroic Demir that probably nobody else in, in this chat is, is going to know. Um, Dominic Deegan from Dominic Deegan Oracle for Hire. Yeah, that tracks. I, I, read right, I have no part idea what that, that is. Um, so it's a fantasy webcomic. Uh, the title character is a wizard who specializes in divination. See, I think the problem here is I am your local expert in sapphic media, and that's what yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Oh shit, actually, I have webcomics for you, Jay, but later. Later. I just finished. I'm in love with the villainous, so. Dominic's magical abilities all revolve entirely around, um, you know, seeing the future or seeing distant events happening. He doesn't, uh, some illusions. So all of his heroic efforts have to be manipulative. There's literally. There's literally a panel where he sits down, looks around to make sure that nobody's around and says, I've wanted to do this for years. And then he goes, dance, puppets, dance. That brings a character to my mind, but I don't think any of y'all know this one. That description. Hit me with it. So I just said I just finished I'm in love with the villainous. Do any of you know what that is? Yes. Heard of it, not read it. Uh, I haven't watched it, but it's very, it's right there. I'm like about to touch the play button, but I'm waiting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. Um, it's an, it's an isekai. Um, I'm not usually into it, but I'm also not usually into school settings. So this is to me a testament to how good it is. <laughs> um, so you've got this one person who was, who was a, burnt out office worker in uh, our in our world who got reincarnated in the world of her favorite um, basically dating sim. But she still I has all do. the knowledge from like yeah. when she, of and she was a massive fangirl of this dating sim, like in depth, like even the most obscure knowledge, like very like fangirl. Um and she carries all this knowledge with her to this reincarnation. Which kind of means as one does, she uses that knowledge to uh, affect um, her time in the game. And, like, her intentions are pure, but she does end up manipulating a lot of the situation as a result, you know? As do Isekai protagonists, literally. Yeah, <laughs> as Isekai protagonists are wont to do. So, I'd say Ray Taylor is very is actually kind of demure because she does have all this information and she does use it sometimes in some ways for a selfish end goal 
it's also a selfless end goal. It's it's the kind of selfish and selfish at the same time. And I'm not going to go further in depth because spoilers. But yeah, I'd argue that she's Demir or even Esper because of it. Yeah, typically you get that with like Isekai protagonists. It's like mm-hmm. they like you look at them and you go, "That's very sh- selfish," but also it's selfless in the end. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the first isekai that I've ever like been interested in. Like I've read a couple of isekai fan fictions, but I usually drop them after five chapters because <laughs> mm. I just can't get into it. This is this is just a really good anime, and I've finished the light novel recently, and it's it's oh my god, it's really mm. good. And gay. it's funny for the sapphics in chat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very very. Gay. <laughs> I should hope we have a couple of those. Uh, if not, we're, we're given the, the nature set. of the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what it brought to mind to me. We should probably uh, wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, do we have anything uh, today in the mailbox? No new mail today. So if you want to contribute your own insights to all of this um, color pie nerdery, uh, you can shoot us an email. Our address is fanfictapes at gmail.com. You can also leave us a comment on our YouTube channel, or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also rate us on Spotify, although that doesn't let you leave comments, but we still appreciate that a lot. Mm. Uh, you can also reach out to us on social media. Currently, we have a presence on Twitter, formerly X, for however long that remains a viable method of communication. Maya runs our account over there. Yes, I do. Uh, we are at Fanfiction Tapes uh, on there with a capital F and a capital T. No spaces or dashes. It's all just like it's one word. Most of what gets posted about on there is a little bit before an episode come out, we'll make a post. I'll ship posts sometimes. Uh, because, I mean, you, you hand me a Twitter account, you're going to get some shit posting here and there. Maya, you on any form of social media is shit posting here and there. True. It's not just shit posting. <laughs> Am I incorrect? No. <laughs> Jay, do you have any works social media you would like to promote here on the show? I'm not particularly active on the formerly known as the Twitter anymore, considering everything that's going on. But you will find me on Tumblr under AlphaJ071. Or if you want to, or if you just want to hear me scream about Ruby, that would also be white like roses, no spaces, nothing special. Um, my AO3 is also AlphaJ071, and my Ruby AO3 is white like roses. Clearly, I like white rose. Um, so, yeah, that's where you can find me. that's where you find me alright well I am and have been Maya and I was joined by I am and always will be Dylan I'm Jay and I'm our producer Ian until next time bye